See everybody. We have some announcements, and Ted is pitch hitting this morning. So we're going we're going way deep into the bullpen for announcements this morning. So our two regular announcements givers, one is out of town and one is sick. So here I am. Uh, I just want to draw your attention to two or three things that are in your bulletin. One is um, we're having a parent meeting uh, right after uh, the service in the fireside room, which is just through the lobby and down the hallway to your left, the end of the hall. And uh, that meeting is for all parents of 8th graders through seniors in high school. Um, We have a huge nationwide event 
that is uh, in preparation that we want to take our kids to and give them the opportunity and we want to go and kind of explain what that event is. It's called Life 2016 and uh, it's something our denomination does every three years. So if you're a parent of an eighth grader through a senior in high school, they will be eligible to go this summer and we just want to meet and get all the information out to you. Uh, uh, this after, or right after the service. Also, the tree in the back uh, is our uh, men's and women's groups have come together and want to help supply uh, a holiday meal uh, for a Christmas meal for four or five families. So there's a lot of items back there. You can just take uh, an item. Take the card with you as a reminder. All the, the donations need to be brought back in by next Sunday. Um, if it's not a, an item like uh, rolls or ham or something that you want to provide and just provide money, there's envelopes back there. You can do that too and just drop it in the offering plate. And then the last announcement is the insert. Um, we will love. Uh, this is the, the end of the year offering uh, for missions that will go to the Great Commission Fund. And it's really just as a reminder um, back in March, we pledged uh, $27,000 to the Great Commission Fund to support our missionaries. We have 700 missionaries uh, in 81 different countries all over the world. And their ability to stay on the field and do what God has called them to do is dependent upon our giving, um, all of the Alliance Church's giving. And we pledged 27000 last March. And if you look in your bulletin, I think we're almost to 13000 right now. And so so this is just a reminder um, to uh, you know where you're at in your pledge um, as we uh, as we approach next March uh, to get to that twenty-seven thousand. So um, if you want to, you can put the offering in that envelope, drop it in the offering plate that or in the uh, offering uh, box, and uh, and we'll make sure that it gets where it needs to go. So let's uh, let's just continue worshiping and uh, coming before the Lord and before His throne this morning. As I pray, um, dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much that um, we can gather together as believers, as a body, and worship you. And I thank you that you did um, conquer the grave and that you reign forevermore, Lord. And I just pray that we would worship you now in spirit and in truth. And it's in your precious name I pray. Amen. Would y'all please stand? To the weak and the broken down In a small, poor and dirty town The light has come A baby's lit's history Emmanuel, Savior, King Come sinner, let your eyes see the light has come In His name our chains will shatter For unto us is born A Son, our God, is with us This Christmas morn Angelic Heaven's bright shower is shining down to a 
cross and for his renown. The light has come. In his name our chains will shatter.
everlasting God. You do not faint, you won't grow weary. You're the defender of the weak. You comfort those in need. You lift us up on wings like eagles. Strength will rock as we wait upon the Lord. We will wait upon the Lord. We will wait upon the Lord. Strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord. We will wait upon the Lord. We will wait upon the Lord.
the Savior, injustice brought to right. For your glory, let your name be lifted high. Lord, over everything, you are near. have a seat.
my name is Lance Engel, this is my wife Melissa and my son James, and we're going to read the, the second day of the Advent. This is the second Sunday in Advent. Today we light two purple candles. Last Sunday we lit the candle of hope. Today we light the candle of peace. Our world is not always a peaceful world. People hurt other people. Countries are at war today. People don't ca- take care of the, wor- of the world. People yell and scream at other people. But God promises peace. During Advent, we pray that we, as well as all the people, will seek God's peace. When we look at this candle, we remember God's peace, promise of peace. We recall the words of Jesus in John fourteen twenty seven, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. In times when it seems we are surrounded by hatred and fighting, it's hard to remember that Jesus is the one who brings peace. As we approach Christmas, let us remember that God's attention is a place of peace. Isaiah 11, 1 through 9. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and of understanding. The spirit of counsel and of might. The spirit of the knowledge and fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears. But with righteousness, he will judge the needy. With justice, he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips, he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt, and faithfulness the sash around his waist. The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the lion and the yearling together, and the little child will lead them. The cow will feed With the bear, their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den, and the young child will put his hand, its hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Ingles. Let's just go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we are thankful that you are a God of peace, that you grant us peace. Father, we do live in a world that is upside down, where fighting is constantly in the news. Lord, we pray for those victims just in this last week of the the shootings and the massacres and, and Lord, just the, the horror that they are going through in this time when we focus on peace. They know little peace. Father, we thank you that you sent your Son that we could have peace. Lord, that, that he is providing for us. Lord, for his 
sacrifice, his willingness to die, to suffer. That we might have a relationship with you. Father, I pray for those that are hurting. Whether it's due to sickness or or strife. uh, Father, job situations. Father, that need your touch this morning. Father, I pray that your presence, that you would make your presence known in their situation, that you would speak through it to them. Father, help each of us as we go through our days to hear truth, to understand truth, to know truth. Father, that we can see you act. Thank you for going on our behalf. Thank you for going before us. Father, this morning, speak to us. Open your word fresh and new. These words from Isaiah, would you just open them to us that we might understand clearly what you have given us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. How many Beatles fans do we have? Very good. In 1971, after the Beatles broke up, John Lennon composed what could be, or what would soon become, his number one song of his solo career. Anyone know what it is? Imagine. That's what it is. Uh, its, its lyrics really encourage the listener to, to imagine a world at peace. A world without, without barriers of borders, one nation, or, or the, the divisions of religion... One religion or no religion. And to consider the possibility that the focus of humanity should be living a life unattached to material possessions. Imagine there's no heaven. It's easy if you try. No hell below us, above us only sky. Imagine all the people living for today. Imagine there's no countries. It isn't hard to do. Nothing to kill or die for and no religion too. Imagine all the people living life in peace. You may say I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. I hope someday you'll join us and the world will be as one. Imagine no possessions. I wonder if you can. No need for greed or hunger, a brotherhood of man. Imagine all the people sharing all the world. You may think that I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. Now some would hear that and go, yes! I hear that and go, oh. Because the chant in Lenin's day and still has echoes today was, Make peace, not war. And the belief that peace could be achieved if we could rid the world of politics, if we could rid the world of economics, where everyone was exactly the same, if we could rid the world of religion, status, class, then we would have peace. Basically, rid the world of anything different. But what is peace? Because we, we live in a world that has never seen political peace. 
Ever since countries were formed, there's been strife. Ever since man was formed, after the fall, there has been strife. Two brothers couldn't get along. One was jealous of the other one. So he killed him. Beat him over the head with a rock. And from that point on, this earth has never seen peace. Some of you here today have been through a world war. You've been through a Korean war, Vietnam war, Afghanistan, Iran, Iraq, constantly strife in the Middle East. I don't think we even can, can get a real clear picture of what peace looks like. So was John Lennon a dreamer? We're all looking for peace. Parents, many times, do you not just want peace and quiet? You know, the working parent, you, you come home from a chaotic day where nothing went as planned at work and you're, you're greeted at the door by a whiny toddler who didn't nap and is hungry and just needs all of your attention. And you're thinking, I just want to go home and sit. I just need some peace. Or, you're the parent... The stay-at-home parent that went through the day with the whiny toddler who didn't nap and is now hungry, and you're glad that the spouse is home, that now you can get some peace and quiet. Workplaces are not places of peace. Disgruntled employees, competition, to, to outdo the, the guy in the cubicle next to you or the person down the hall to, to outshine them. We have a friend that works for a huge firm in Fort Wayne and last week it was announced they got a new way up at the top person in her division and her boss was fired. No warning. The new guy came in and just started cleaning house. Her boss was fired, her boss's boss was fired, and her boss's boss's boss was fired. And she said everyone immediately shut down. That the competition, the the willingness to share and collaborate with one another disappeared. Because everyone's now fearful. There's no peace in that office. Everyone is fearful that they may be next, and so they have to outshine the person beside them, above them, or behind them. Schools are not always peaceful places. Big topic today is bullying. I think bullying's been around ever since, well, little kids have been around. My kids used to attend school where there were metal detectors. You had to walk through the metal detector. They were shocked when they came, and Yorktown doesn't have metal detectors. Said, I can take my backpack anywhere I want. All my pens and my pencils, and my kids don't carry weapons. But some did. That's why they're there. Because school's not as safe a place as it used to be. Where can we find peace in a world that is so chaotic? Where, where are the safe places? Churches aren't even the safe place anymore. Schools aren't. You know, the prophet Isaiah lived in a time when the nation of Israel was being split apart. 
when there was political unrest between Israel, the, the tribes, ten tribes of the, of the north, against the one tribe, Judah, of the south. And there was constant fighting, and there was fighting amongst the other nations all around them, and, and even those that lived within their borders. And, and, and there was never a time of peace, and yet Isaiah wrote constantly that there was peace coming. That there was a hope of peace. There was the promise of peace. And while he didn't live in a time of peace, he prophesied of one who was going to bring peace. Whose kingdom would be a peaceable kingdom. Whose kingdom would not know strife. Whose kingdom would only know righteousness and right and there would be no wrong. Who would establish peace between God and man. You know, I don't know that John Lennon really was all that far out as a dreamer. He was just dreaming in the wrong direction. Because Isaiah promises a lot of the things that he was talking about in that song. Isaiah understood that peace could only come through God. That we weren't going to find it in ourselves. Because looking in ourselves got us to the place where we are. We have to look somewhere outside of ourselves, something bigger than us, to find peace. Christmas, really, as, as we sit down and, and we think last week we talked about, as we're preparing, we want to remember the hope that is ours, and that hope is not a wish, but it's a certainty. The hope that is ours in Christ. And this morning we want to really focus on that Christmas is also a season of peace. That we want to remember the peace that is ours, that has been promised to us. Now that Hebrew word for peace is shalom. And it gets used a lot as a salutation, as a, as a greeting, or even as a... When someone's coming, you say shalom. When they're leaving, when you're departing, you say shalom. And you're really just wishing them peace. But it's much more than that. It's much more than a greeting. That that word has taken on a, a, an understanding of wholeness. That if there is peace, there is completeness. There is wholeness to the situation, wholeness to the person. There is fullness. There is rest. There is no turmoil. There is no strife. There is no two sides vying for it. No, there is completeness. Oneness in peace. It's a feeling of rightness. That this is right. This is full. This is complete. Isaiah understood that that kind of wholeness, that kind of completeness could only be found in God. That rest was promised through the Messiah. That even when, when nations are, are rising up against nations, when, when people, are, even within Judah, are rising up against each other, when governments are trying to overthrow one another, when one's trying to rise in power by, by eliminating the one ahead of them, when there's bullying in school, when there's competition in the office, when there's unrest at home. Isaiah, Isaiah says there is a peace that can be found. There is a peace that is there. And, and this is, it's exciting because it's not just a peace now, but it's a peace that, that we look forward to. Because Isaiah kind of points out in, in several verses, we're going to look at the one that, that Melissa read, but we're going to look at two or three others as well this morning. And we're going to see that there is peace for the nations. That there is peace for nature. 
that there's peace with God and that there's peace with man. Nation, nature, God, and man all can experience this incredible peace that Christmas brings us. Isaiah chapter 9, turn with me. To Isaiah chapter 9. Christmas time, this is a, a verses that get read a lot. We've already looked at them a couple times. And we'll look at them more as we go along. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7 says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. There is a coming peace to the nations. All of the political upheaval that we see all around us, that we read in the news, that you see in the news, God is going to come and repair all that, fix that, complete it, make it whole, give it rest. He says that to us a child is born, to this little one that is coming in a manger, the government will be on his shoulders. Otherwise, he's going to bear the brunt of running the government. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. Eternal peace. Not that there's just going to be a time of peace. But there will be no end to his peace. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. That this Prince of Peace, this coming of Jesus, is going to establish a government that is not corrupt. A government that's based on truth, that's based on rightness. Some of the Jews understood that Jesus' first coming was going to establish this kingdom and, and he was going to come and overthrow the evil Roman Empire. And they longed for the Messiah to come. And when they, when they believed that Jesus was him, they began to follow him and they were looking for ways in which he was going to overthrow Rome, that he was going to establish his kingdom. But they missed the fact that he wasn't establishing it right now. And when he died, their hopes went down with him. When their Messiah, the one who was going to right all of the things nationally, all of the things in government was going to be corrected, was going to be made complete, was going to be made whole, was going to bring rest to their nation. When he died, they were upset. They thought all of their hopes were gone, all of their dreams were gone. And Jesus said, no, that's not my purpose for coming at this point. Yes, that will happen. And we now carry that hope. We now carry that, that dream of Jesus returning, coming back a second time, and establishing His kingdom. Matthew chapter 10, Jesus told them, and they should have heard it here, but they didn't. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. In His first coming, He said, Do not suppose I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. His first coming came not to bring this peace that was promised, but to bring a sword, to bring actually division, to bring strife. Because the first time he came, he came to establish truth. And truth is very divisive. Because we can't all agree where truth comes from. We can't all agree the source of truth. And when we have the source of truth, we can't all agree on what that truth is, what it means, how to live it out. He told Pilate before his death that he came to testify to the truth. To be a witness of the truth. Not everyone's going to hold to the truth. 
there's going to be divisions. We can see those playing out, and, and, and I believe that the division is getting, or the gap and the, and the dividing line is getting wider and wider and deeper and deeper. But we used to, in this nation, everyone kind of considered themselves a Christian. We were a Christian nation. Everyone believed in God. That, today, that, that gap is much wider. Not everyone believes in God. You used to be able to refer people to the Bible as you were leading them to the Lord, as you were helping counsel them. And now you have to take them way back and you can't even use the Bible usually initially because they don't believe it. So using something they don't believe in doesn't work. They don't believe in God. You can't always direct them to God. And that, that gap of, of that divisiveness of truth and where truth is and what truth is is just getting deeper and deeper and, and wider and wider. And Jesus warned us of that. He said, I didn't bring peace. He said, for I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Well, that's kind of believable, is it not? Daughter-in-law against mother-in-law, that you see all over the place. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Because truth is divisive. Here when Jesus said this, he's actually quoting the prophet Micah. In Micah chapter 7. And Micah was talking about the social evil that existed and would be prevalent leading up to the coming of the Savior. And I think it's going to be prevalent and even more divisive as it's leading up to his second coming, to when he will return. We live in a fallen society where peace is not always easy to find. But Jesus is coming. That is our hope. That the Savior is going to return. That he is going to establish his government. That he is going to set things right politically. That the Prince of Peace is going to establish a government of peace that will know no end. So when we see on the news all the upheaval, we need not worry. Jesus is coming. Jesus is going to correct that wrong. Jesus is going to come with a kingdom, with a government, with a, with a reigning power that, that oversees all of those things. That fixes it all. And that we, we have the certainty, we have the hope and the assurance, the certain hope, that for all eternity we are going to be in a right reign, a right kingdom, a kingdom that is based on truth, a kingdom that is based on grace and mercy and rightness. Expect chaos in the world right now. Don't be shocked anymore. Pray, Jesus, come. Right the wrongs. You know, there's another part of, of our world that is longing for Jesus to come. And that's creation. Creation groans to be set right, to be made complete. Melissa read it saying that the coming peace for nature when the, the wolf will live with the lamb. Now, we, we, we had chickens. And we set up a fence because we couldn't let the possum live with the chickens. And I'm thinking wolves aren't going to live with... The wolf would love to live with the lamb for about one meal, maybe two. But Jesus is going to come and right all of that. 
The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the lion and the yearling together. And a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear. Their young will lie down together. And the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den. And the young child will put his hand into the viper's nest. Can you, can you just imagine that? Picture that. A little kid playing with the snakes, reaching in, petting, grabbing, playing with the cobras. I get a little freaked out over my son's bearded dragon, and it's in an aquarium. I think I've held him once, maybe. And that was like, okay, you put him on there. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. The knowledge of the Lord. The earth is going to be filled with truth. And when truth is displayed, when truth is set right, when truth comes in and begins to set up its reign, the lion will lay down with the lamb. The ox and the bear and the cow and the viper and the kids all live in perfect harmony, in completeness, in wholeness. Now, for the animal lovers everywhere, this is great news. I am finally going to get my pet lion. I love big cats. I would love to have a big cat. But right now, cats like that scare the living daylights out of me. I'm longing for the day that I can have in my mansion a lion. That I can lay down with a lion. That I can play and wrestle and roll around with the lion. See, nature was subjected to the consequence of sin entering the world just like man was. Creation is fallen. We're told that, that creation is longing for the day when it will be set right. When peace will once again be established in the animal kingdom. And it's coming. It's coming. Back in Pennsylvania, and I, I think here too, although it's not as nearly as prevalent here as it is where we came from, they are in the heart of deer hunting season. It started the day after, the Monday after Thanksgiving. Last Monday was the first day of buck season when you could go out and shoot your buck. And uh, it's, it's a regional holiday. School is, there's no school on Monday. Offices are closed. I mean, because everyone, there's no sense in opening them. Everyone's out in the woods anyway. And so they just learn, cancel school that day because no one's going to show up. But in the heart of, of buck season, I, and I, I know what has been going on over the last several weeks is that a lot of the men have been out, and, and women as well. Um, men and daughters are a big thing hunting uh, the first time you can take your daughter out into the woods and, and hunt uh, Bambi and, and, and the buck. And I know that for the last several weeks, they've been out walking in the woods, looking for that spot, trying to see where the animals are moving, trying to get an idea of, of where they're going, where they're feeding, where they're going to find them, where the best place is to set up the tree stand so that they're ready when the buck comes walking through. Now, a friend of mine posted yesterday or the day before on Facebook, he got his. It's an 11-point buck. Now, for those of you who know bucks, that's a big one. 11 points is how many points there are on the antlers. Their antlers have 11 points. Six on one side, five on the other. 
That's a big buck. That's a trophy buck. That will probably wind up on his wall somewhere in his man cave because his wife won't let him put it in the living room, which is where most men want to hang that. As I was flipping through Facebook this weekend, I saw another picture of southern Indiana. And what appears to be a tree stand in the background, in the foreground there is a mountain lion dragging a buck. Southern Indiana. And I said, apparently there's some competition (laughs) for the hunters out there. But you know, that day's coming when that mountain lion and that buck are going to be playing together. Imagine. When Christ returns and restores nature, restores creation to its rightful place, to its completeness, to its wholeness. When the animal kingdom is no longer fighting, when the human kingdoms are no longer fighting. That's not even the best part. The best part is that the Prince of Peace has come to establish peace with God. And that's not a future thing, that's a right now thing. That was part of what he came for on the cross. Isaiah chapter 53, verses 5 through 7 says, But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity, the sinfulness, the wrongness of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before his shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. The only time he really spoke was when he was on trial, and Pilate asked him specific questions. And he asked him, why did you come? What, what is your purpose? Are you the king? And that's where he tells Pilate, I came to testify to the truth. And Pilate said, what is truth? And then he turned around and walked away, never giving Jesus an answer, uh, an opportunity to answer. Here was truth standing right in front of him. And he turned and walked away. But Jesus has come that he would... He would pay for the sins, that he would reconcile, that he would would reunite the creation with the Creator, mankind with God, that he would bring peace. See, sin separates us from God. I've preached that truth many times from this pulpit, and I know it was preached here before. It's preached all over that, that sin separates us from God. That there is a gap that gets wider and wider and wider and deeper and deeper and deeper. And there is absolutely nothing I can do or you can do to bridge that gap, to overcome that gap. Because our sinfulness just makes it wider. That actually we get farther and farther and farther from God the longer we live. And it's harder to come back to see that. Oh, we try some things. We try to overcome it. We we try to, to... to bridge the gap, to find a way back to God, and we try to do it on our own. But our sinfulness continually gets in the way because there's that separation. There's that, that constant struggle. And so God said, I have a plan. I, God sent His Son. God sent the Prince of Peace 
to bridge the gap, to bring a peace between God and man, between the Creator and the creation. The perfect one to reconcile us to God is Jesus. He's the only one. Because in order to get into God's presence, in order to get on God's side of that gap, you've got to be holy. Because nothing unholy will ever venture near that side of the gap. And you and I are unholy in our sinfulness. Every man is unholy in their sinfulness. We'll never get close to that side of the gap. So whoever's going to bridge that gap to get that half of the bridge built has to be holy. Enter Jesus, the Prince of Peace. But to get to the other side, they have to also be human. That person has to be able to relate to mankind, to understand mankind, to be a part of mankind in order to die for mankind. That a human has to die for a human, and it has to be a holy human in order to bridge both sides of the gap. Enter Jesus, the Prince of Peace, the perfect one. To be born of a child, to be born of a virgin in in a manger, to to grow in stature, to to grow physically and mentally and emotionally and spiritually, just like all of his friends, all the others around him, all the other 12-year-olds, all the other 18-year-olds, all the other 25-year-olds, to grow up in in a normal human setting and yet remain holy. Because at 30... He ventured off into a ministry to testify to the truth. And in testifying to the truth, continually pointed to himself as the Messiah, the one who would bring peace to mankind, that would bridge the gap between God and man. Several believed and several followed. Several placed their hope in him. Several understood that peace, that wholeness, that completeness. But at what cost? Look at the words in Isaiah 57, or Isaiah 53, that are used to describe what Jesus went through. He said, stricken, smitten, afflicted, pierced, crushed, oppressed. And why? Because he deserved it? No, he was holy, sinless. We deserved to be stricken, smitten, afflicted, pierced, crushed, and oppressed. Jesus said, I'll bridge the gap, so I'm going to go and take that for you. I'm going to establish peace. I'm going to establish a way for you to have peace, to have reconciliation, to have a relationship with God once again. I'll do what you can't, so that you can do what only I can. And that's commune with the Father. Jesus allowed that to happen to him so that he might bring us peace. Peace with God so that the sin that separated us from God, that took us out of the relationship, could be forgiven, could be healed, could have the relationship reestablished, have it reconciled. See, sin is the struggle. Sin is the conflict. Sin is the unrest in our life. Sin is the cause for all of the other conflicts that we see. The conflict between the way things are and the way they are intended or created to be. The Prince of Peace has come to restore the human heart. To make us a new creation. 
to make us new, to, to put us back whole, to establish His righteousness in our life, His rightness in our life. Romans chapter 5 verse 10 says, For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to Him through the death of His Son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through His life? How much more hope do we have now that Jesus has come, that there is life everlasting, that there is, we sang about the everlasting Father, that there is life everlasting with Him in a perfect world, in a holy world, in a truthful world, in a right, complete, and whole world. God has made a way for us to have peace with Him. Not enemies with Him any longer. Not separated. The gap has been, has been bridged. That there's no longer fear, there's no longer guilt, there's no longer distance. It is now a complete relationship. And that brings with it another wonderful, wonderful, beautiful aspect to it. And that's that not only do we have peace with God, but now we have the possibility, we have the hope of peace with man. Of peace with other people. That before our sinfulness even drove us apart from one another at times. That now we can have those relationships restored. And not only is it a hope of a future in eternity with Christ, but now it's a hope of we can have love and, and, and uh, respect and relationship right here, right now. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Why? Because it's got to get to that side. Anything unholy cannot approach that side of the gap. And so now Jesus comes in and makes us holy, sanctifies us, sets us apart, redeems us, buys us back, creates us new. To where now we have access. And not that we have peace with God only, but we are to make every effort to live in completeness, rightness, wholeness with everyone. That word everyone. I looked at the Greek. That Greek word for everyone means everyone that likes you back. Everyone that's just like you. Okay, that's not true. And you know it. I can tell by a look on your face, you're like, seriously? No, it means everyone. Everyone you come in contact with, make every effort to live at peace with them. Your neighbor, your co-worker at the cubicle next to you that you're afraid you or he's going to get axed next. Live at peace with them. Family members, live at peace with them. Sometimes that's the hardest. Because you're the closest. And the expectations are greater. People that you're, you're looking at this morning, that you're sitting next to, in front of, behind of, make every effort to live at peace with them. Because there's nothing worse than divisions in the church. That's the whole Corinthian church. Nothing worse than when people who have been redeemed can't get along. Jesus came to establish peace with God, but He came that we might be able to establish peace with other men, with other, with other women, with other people, with everyone. The Prince of Peace gives us His righteousness, declaring us holy, acceptable to God, and then enables us to live a holy and, and peaceable life with everyone.
true peace restores, reconciles relationships. I've known people who have, who have been at odds with one another, whether it be in their family, with a brother, sister, mom, dad, aunt, uncle, who, cousin, whoever. I've known them to, you know, be at odds with one another outside the family. And, and, and as, as I've talked to them, I say, you know, how's that relationship going? Oh, we worked it out. It's all forgiven. I said, fantastic. And then as I begin to talk more to them, I find out, no, they just said the words. The relationship really was not restored. Because if it was restored, it would be whole and it would be complete. Otherwise, you would look forward to seeing that person. And what usually happens is, oh yeah, we forgave it. Well, when's the last time you talked to him? Oh, it's been years. Well, that's helpful in not being mad at them when you don't see them anymore. But that's not restoration. That's not forgiveness because when God forgives us, our relationship with Him is restored and we now have a community with Him. We now have a relationship that we talk with Him and, and, and we're with Him and we look forward to being with Him and He looks forward to being with us. That's the same type of relationship that needs to be established when forgiveness is given with other people, with everyone. If it's truly forgiven, the relationship is reconciled completely. There is peace in the relationship. If we have a relationship that lacks peace, we've got to search ourselves. It's easy to put the blame on another person and find what their problem is with the relationship. That's easy. But that's not making every effort to live at peace with everyone. Making every effort starts right here. What am I bringing to this relationship? What am I bringing that is a problem? What do I need to change? You know, the Holy Spirit comes in and, and begins to do funky things to your life. Begins to change who you are, begins to change how you think, begins to change how you feel, begins to change how you react with other people, or at least should change. Galatians tells us, and we're going to be looking at this when we get back into the book of Galatians after the holidays, that Galatians chapter 5 says that the fruit of the Spirit, the things that are going to be produced in our life with this new life with Christ, now that we have peace with God, love, joy, Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those should all be natural outcomes of our relationships with other people. And if they're not, then we need to back up and check our own self. Where am I at? What am I bringing to this relationship that's not allowing it to work? Now again, relationships are two-sided. The other person's got to meet you. Okay, it's like that bridge. If, if God built, if we tried to build a bridge and God wasn't building it, we're not getting there. So he says, make every effort. As much as it depends on you, live at peace with all people. The Prince of Peace has come. We celebrate that. Bringing the opportunity to live at peace with God, which makes it possible then to live at peace with everyone else. And I've always said, if, if our relationship with God is out of whack, all of our other relationships are going to be out of whack. Because that one's the most important. That's the one that writes everything else. That's the one that brings peace, correctness, wholeness to everything else.
The Prince of Peace has come, but He's returning someday. He's coming back. And He's going to complete that restoration process by establishing His government. Restoring creation and and completing our salvation to live with Him for all eternity. That's our hope. Let me ask you this morning, are you struggling with relationship? Are you struggling with relationship with God? Because He's done everything He can do. He's provided the fix. He's provided the peace. All we need to do is ask. All we need to do is is, is confess and, and, and come to Him. And He's waiting for it. He has made every effort smicken, sm- smicken, smitten, stricken, smicken and stritten. He's probably had that happen to him too. Punished for us. He's done everything He needs to do. Now we just need to come to Him. Ask Him for forgiveness. Be restored. Maybe your struggle's not with God. Maybe your struggle's with someone else. Chances are we all can say that. There's someone else that just... I hope I don't see them. I want to avoid them. Make every effort. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. Approach them, come to them, make every effort, do what needs to be done to restore, to reconcile that relationship. Seek God out on how to restore it. Ask forgiveness if necessary. Give forgiveness if that's what's called for. See, that's the message of Christmas. That's the the advent. That's the preparation. That's what's coming. The Prince of Peace has come to establish a new order. To establish a new way of living. A new way of relating to God and a new way of relating to one another. And eventually, a new way of relating to creation. I'll get my lion cub. Where are you struggling this morning? What part of that peace is missing from your life? We're going to sing one last song. And I want, I want you to just contemplate your own heart. Where is it at this morning? What relationship is out of whack that you need to surrender, that you need to make every effort, that you maybe need to come to God? And surrender. Father, this morning, I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to each of us. That, Father, you would establish that peace in us. Lord, I pray that we would look to you as the Prince of Peace, the one who establishes rightness. Rightness in our relationship with you. Father, I I pray that you would strengthen that. That you would make your presence known. That we would hear truth and only truth. Father, moment by moment we would seek you out. That you would lead us, guide us. Father, I pray that as we come in contact with other people, that your, your fruit of your spirit, the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self control, would be evident. Father, that they would see the way we relate to you and the way we relate to them and that they too would seek you out. Father, help us to love like you love. This morning, Lord, give us your peace. Grant us your peace. 
In Jesus' name, amen.
teach me some melodious sonnet sung by flaming tongues above. Praise the mountain fixed upon it, mount of thy redeeming love. Praise the mountain fixed upon it, mount of thy redeeming love. One phrase in that song that makes my, I stop and have to think. And that's the one with Ebenezer. If that line confuses you, write down 1 Samuel chapter 7. Go home, read it, and that song will make all kinds of sense after that. Let me leave you with this. For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power, through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the saints, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to Him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine according to His power that is at work within us. To Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Have a great week, a peaceful week. Reestablish relationships. Enjoy your time with God. Amen? Amen. Thank you, guys. Lee.